0: Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained, Christians are encouraged, and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. You follow as I read, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I would not have you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. You'll notice in those three verses, the Trinity in, uh, mentioned in totality. God is working through the giving of the gifts and the manifestation of them. Verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit to another the working of miracles, to prophecy and discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these these worketh at one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Uh, Verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. There's a unity here in the diversity. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and all have and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Let's pray together. Father, we're committing our time to you, time together to you, and we pray that you would direct us concerning the topic or the theme of spiritual gifts in the church. And I pray as we study this area, uh, these principles, that you would give us your understanding in the next few weeks together. Thank you for our time. Holy Spirit, direct these thoughts, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Spiritual gifts given to the church. We're uh, studying this, in fact, as we move out of chapter 11, where we talked about, perhaps, if you were here with us, the abuses that went on, the Corinthian church concerning the Lord's table we now move into another area where they're a bit confused, and that is the use of spiritual gifts. If I were to ask you this morning an interesting question, what is your spiritual gift? Um, not are you gifted or talented or skilled, but what is your spiritual gift? I wonder how many of you could raise your hand and say, I know for sure what my spiritual gift is. I'm tempted, my spirit is tempted right now to ask that question, class. But let's do that, just for my sake. Um, how many of you believe that you know what your spiritual gift is? Just, I mean, you, even if your hand goes up a little bit, I'll appreciate that. Raise your hand if you have a good idea of what your spirit, that's most of you, and that's a wonderful thing. The New Testament uh, uses a lot of illustrations for the church, a family, a bride, an army, a temple. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, in fact, 12 through chapters 14, he will use the analogy, Paul will, of a body. Christ is the head of the church and we are then the body, several members. Together we represent the body of Christ, the arms, the legs, the hands, the eyes, the feet, the body, a composite unity uh, expressing how we ought to work together, uh, striving together to serve the Lord. What a great illustration this is, I think, especially to Corinth, a church divided over so many things they were divided over who their leader would be the their favorite preacher they were divided over discipline over lawsuits over hairstyles over head coverings over who got to eat first at the lord's table and now paul introduces the topic of spiritual gifts and it's no wonder it's no surprise to us that when we come to this area the church at corinth was a bit confused and paul brings biblical training and teaching to this church and to us as well. Well, what do you think of when you think of spiritual gifts? Let me catch up here if I can with my slides. What do you think of? Men, you may have to help me this morning. There we go. What do you think of? uh, Go ahead and advance it again. Maybe the battery is weak. Keep moving there. Let's read this verse. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Well, we also know that uh, Paul says that even though you are many members, God has given to each one spiritual gifts. Now, what do you think of? Go ahead and advance the slide again for me, man. What do you think of? Here's a picture behind me uh, that may jog your thoughts a little bit. What do you think of when you think of the word spiritual gifts? A lot of us right away move into this idea of speaking in tongues, right? Because Paul will mention that gift in in his list. Now there are uh, two or three places in the Bible where the gifts of the Spirit are listed. They're not exhaustive lists, but this does come up and Paul will address it in chapters 12, 13, and 14. But often we think of, well, speaking tongues. In fact, I had a friend, a pastor friend that asked me one time, have you had the second blessing? I didn't know (laughs) what that was. And he says, "Uh, how do you know that you're filled with the Spirit? And then he got down to it. He says. He says, young man, he was an older pastor, but he looked at me and said, young man, have you ever spoken in tongues? In his mind, that was a mark of the second blessing, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. And many of you perhaps on television have seen services like this where hands are raised. Everybody is talking at the same time in this, what they would call a spiritual prayer language, speaking in tongues. And that's the mark in their minds of true spirituality. Paul did recognize the presence of of spiritual gifts in the church. And he's even going to mention this idea of glossalia or the idea of a prayer language to God. And Paul will say in private, I speak in tongues more than you all. But there is a wonderful verse that really ought to set the tone for gifts within the church. Gifts are given by God to every believer for the good of the church body. And Paul in chapter fourteen, verse nineteen, would say this. You would know this verse well. He said, "I would rather speak in five words in church that are useful or known in a known language for edification than ten thousand words in an unknown tongue, and that ought to settle it." Sometimes we go to a church, or maybe on vacation, you step into a church and you don't know it randomly, and you're in a church where perhaps this idea of the the uh, existence of this. Sign gift that we call the speaking in tongues is in use in this church, and it's quite unsettling, really, when everybody around you starts in gibberish, speaking some unintelligible language, and you're kind of out in the cold, trying to think what's going on. Or a pastor thinking he's more spiritual, perhaps, than the rest, and has this quote-unquote gift in our day of speaking in tongues. With all of a sudden, he's preaching along, and then he stops, interrupts, and all of a sudden he's off on a tangent. He's speaking some. Language only known uh, to who knows who. And he preaches along and all of a sudden it's... And we're supposed to be impressed that this man has got an extra measure of gift from God in heaven and has the gift of speaking in tongues. Well, uh, the truth is, as the New Testament is finalized in the first couple, three centuries, the, we find that uh, that Paul... Uh, tells us that the usefulness of the category of sign gifts, and they will be listed in our text for us today, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues, miracles and healings, will begin to fade away, vanish as the Bible was completed. The more sure word of prophecy. It's important to understand that. So as we begin, it's always good to put ourselves in the context to study the Bible well, we ask questions, not just what are the uh, spiritual gifts, uh, but who has them, why? And we're also wise to ask, so why is this an area of confusion in the church at Corinth? And even today, why is it an area of confusion? We're going to try to help clarify these things in the, uh, the days ahead as we study this. It is interesting to me that in the 14, 13 or 14, depending on how you look at it, Uh, epistles or letters that Paul wrote, he mentions the idea of tongues only in his earliest epistles or letters. The last seven books, it is silent in the teaching about tongues and the sign gifts. Why is that? Well, because more and more of the word was disseminated and used in the church. And so the word is self-authenticating, meaning uh, in those days when Paul was preaching first century, really post-resurrection, and the church was being established in a a sense of mission around Asia Minor. And you you would never uh, hear a preacher in those days say this, take your Bibles, please, and turn, turn in them to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. You wouldn't hear that. Why? Ephesians hadn't been written yet. You wouldn't hear anybody, a preacher, say, now take your Bibles, please. And isn't it great? We have 10, 15 copies of the Bible, don't we, personally? Back in the day, they didn't have that, New Testament-wise. They had some prophets, and they had the writings of David, Moses. But they didn't have the New, the new Testament was, was being written, uh, half of it by Paul himself and other writers, of course. And, and so we, we have to understand that in the early days, if a, an apostle, I call them a proxy for Christ, were to come to your town... Some of them had the gift, revelatory gift, of being able to speak the very words of God uh, from God himself. Uh, others had, of course, the gift of prophecy, the word of wisdom. These are mentioned this morning in our text. This was a special dispensation of time before the Bible was completed in which uh, there were men with special... In fact, if you were to go to a, hear a preacher in those early days and you wanted to authenticate whether he was from God or not... You would go to the one who had special gifts, sign gifts, as a sign from God that he was truly sent forth as an apostle, an eyewitness, and a mouthpiece for God. And you would expect him to have some of these validating sign gifts that are mentioned here in the first century early on as the church was established. You would expect him perhaps to have the gift of miracles. Paul had that gift. Remember, he raised that one man from the dead. That's a special apostolic God given gift. He, he was able to heal some. Interesting though, later on in his ministry, when Timothy was sick and when he himself was sick, he couldn't just do that, right? And so we see there is a vanishing of the sign gifts. But in the early days, you wanted to authenticate a, a man's ministry. as as an apostle, as a mouthpiece for God, he would have these special powers, these endowments from God that would validate his ministry as one who spoke from God himself. And so it's important to have that context in mind. Well, interesting, if we were to have the discussion today, and we're not going to do that, but uh, just amongst yourselves, well, what is your gift? What is your gift? A lot of times we're a little silent about that. Here in Corinth, they're arguing about who's got the gift and what gift do you have? And I'd like to have your gift and my gift is better than your gift. And there was this showiness about uh, gifts perhaps. And Paul said, now, just like in other areas, you're confused. You're also confused in this. And so he sets the record straight, but really our silence about spiritual gifts is not necessarily a compliment to us. Now, why do I say that? Um None of it I, in all the years in, in august it 'll be ten years we 've been here it 's amazing, but in all these years i 've never heard an argument in the foyer about this hey i 've got this gift you 've got that I want your gift i 've never heard praise God for that. in fact, we hear very little about spiritual gifts, but the truth is um, we 're all gifted children of God. we have all a spiritual gift that comes to us to every believer for the good of the church body. Look at verse 7. Uh, but the manifest, manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit for all. That's what the word to, uh, with all means. So every one of us has a spiritual gift. And God has given every believer a gift for service within the church. And one day he will evaluate and reward us based on our effective use of our spiritual gift. So we see that gifts are for service. And you need to know, and I do too, um, what my gift is, so that I can use it appropriately within the context of the church. And here's a here's a great statement. You know nothing is more vital to the church's life, the body life of the church, than a proper understanding and use of your spiritual gift. And I say that again, nothing is more vital to the health, the growth, the life of the spiritual body called the church, then knowing, understanding, and using your gift within the context of the church. Everyone, no one, no one is accepted, exempted, has a gift at the moment you get saved, you've got a spiritual gift. Are you using? So the first principle here is important for us to know God's gifts are given to every believer And uh, they're given for the good of the body. At your new birth in Christ, here's what happened. You were not only given eternal life, the Holy Spirit moved in, but because you're a part of the the systems that make the body of Christ work, God designed it this way, that on top of spiritual life, he was going to energize within you, endow you with a spiritual gift. Not for you to go around the church for you saying, ha, 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 I've got this gift. What's yours? No, it is so that you might be a blessing to the church body. And by the way, sitting in church on a pew isn't one of those gifts. I mean, praise God you're here on time change Sunday, right? But God has given you a, a spiritual gift in order that you might go to work. Within the church will be a blessing to others. What a joy it is to understand that all of us, as we participate and minister in the church, we not only bring joy to others, but we ins- inside of ourselves are well. Are are actually come to a place where we enjoy serving as well. The church is likened to a church body because it's not a club or a business or a community center, a place. Uh, to drink coffee, to be married or buried. It's a spiritual living organism joined together by the gospel, held together by Christ who is the head. And we don't have a password or a secret code or a handshake when we come to this place. We're part of the body of Christ, made alive, joined together by the grace of God, all having been equipped by God innately at new birth with something to put into practice within the church body. It's a living organism called the church, his creation by his own blood, spiritually united with Christ. So the next few weeks together, we'll study this issue of spiritual gifts. Now for context, and perhaps one of the reasons we're seeing Paul addressing the abuse of this in the church is to understand, and I think it's always great when you study a passage, to understand why was it such a confusing deal Within the Corinthian church, well, where, where do you think most of these Christians were coming from? Out of they're coming out of paganism, and in the paganistic practices, I don't know if we have a slide here or not. But in the paganistic practices, um, we 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 notice by uh, just by study of that time is that these Christians were coming out of a a background in. False religion, idolatry, that gave themselves, the Gnostics and others gave themselves to trying to wamp up, if I can use that word on the Sunday, wamp up in themselves a heightened spiritual experience. And they did it in a number of ways in the Greek culture of the day in which uh, Paul addressed Corinth. They would get together, they would combine sexual orgies with Drunkenness and incantations and cultic priests that would offer chants and uh, whirling dances in order to elicit inside the soul some sort of communication some heightened sense of a century century perception that they're closer to some God up there and they had all kinds of gods and so the The ladder or the channel by which you climbed up this stairway to the gods was by a spiritual experience. And so false worship in Corinth is what they knew. They knew about all these um, enchantments and all these... They were acquainted with that. And so this combination of sensuality and ritualistic hedonism and hypnotism that supposedly brought them closer into ecstatic... Place of communion with the God, the ecstasy with the gods. That was all their culture. And they were getting saved out of that. And they're coming to church. And there was an abuse then of the gifts that God had given them. The verse or chapter starts now concerning spirituals is what literally what the Greek text says concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be unaware, uninformed, In fact, Paul is saying, I don't want you to drag in the culture of worship that you somehow thought you enjoyed before you knew Christ. In fact, verses 1 through 3, he says, you were Gentiles, verse 2, and look at the next phrase, next few words. You were Gentiles, what? Carried away unto dumb idols. Um. They were carried away. Ever hear a mom or a dad look at a child and say, Hey, listen, don't get carried away? (laughs) Well, that phrase kind of comes from some of these old English texts. They were carried away in their worship of idols with inanimate, dumb idols. And the cultic practices before you were saved, Paul speaking to them, induced in you a demonic persuasion and utterances almost out of the body experiences. In fact, during those quote unquote religious rituals, you were induced or called to curse the name of Jesus. And now you're saved by that wonderful name. And And some, he says, are still exercising that phraseology that really cursed the name of Christ. Now, again, background is, historical background is important here to understand verse 3. They were in those services, because they were Gnostics, believing natural things, the body was bad, spiritual is all good. And so they could not comprehend why Jesus, whom these new Christians, believers loved so much, could ever be worshiped at all because he was He was resurrected, came back to live in a body, the bodily resurrection of Christ, and they could not compute how Jesus could ever be God. God is God. Some of them understood that concept, but Jesus being God in a body? No. And so in their services, they would curse the name of Jesus. They would blaspheme Jesus. So Paul is saying, these gifts come to believers only, and how do we know you're a believer? You name the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't blaspheme that holy name. Well, uh, they were speaking that, uh, his name, as a blasphemy. And he was saying, now these spiritual gifts can only come to believers. And then we see that God gives the church a variety of gifts for the overall health uh, of the church, the growth of the church body. Before we look at that concept um, We want to understand what, what, again, spiritual gifts are. Uh, When when Paul says, verse 1, manifestations are spirituals, they're not to be confused with the Corinthian gifts of the devils that caused them to utter things and and chant things that they didn't even know they were uttering, sometimes by demon oppression or possession. There was a, a clear difference between spiritual gifts uh, even speaking in tongues as we know it to be true, was uh, the proper use of that was to speak in a language in the early days. Can you imagine how beneficial this would be as a missionary to have the gift of languages, to go as Paul did, travel across many, many borders where the languages would change? And some of these apostles had the ability, wherever they crossed into a new language set or group of languages, a new language zone, they could immediately, by God's grace, speak and understand in that language. Isn't that amazing? Well, that was a wonderful gift, especially the dissemination of the gospel before the word was completed. Well, uh, he is saying now, that's a different gift than that strange stuff that went on in your former quote-unquote churches. And wherever God has a truth, the devil is quick behind to try to imitate it, right? Wherever God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel. Last Tuesday, uh, we were at a church plant in, in downtown Atlanta, and we were able to take a group, about 15 or 17 folks or so, a blessing, just a church plant. And the, the preacher that night said something that resonated with me. He said, whenever somebody starts a church, it seems like it isn't long before he attracts every kind of knucklehead, kook, <laughs> weirdo in the community, a new church. And so it's surrounded by people that come in with all their strange, and not only religious persuasions, but sometimes demonic oppressions. And so some of these, Paul's setting the record straight. If, if you're confessing Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you're gifted by him. Let me explain what the gifts are. He says, but I want you to understand too, there'll be a lot of those that don't know Christ and are cursing and blaspheming the name. And they're trying to to bring to the church a pseudo experience that would somehow mimic the truth, but isn't in fact the truth. So much of our worship styles today, and um, I want to be honest about this. It's the only way to be, right? To be honest. So much of our worship styles today is about a good feeling and not about right thinking. And we pick churches on how they make us feel. We were on vacation in Florida uh, years ago and we decided to pick a, tr- a church from the phone book just randomly that we thought might somehow um, be within driving distance and somewhat reflect our own standards and so forth and we pulled into the parking lot And I could tell from the sound coming out of the building when I reached the parking lot that I was not going to be called upon to think high thoughts about God. Rather, I was going to be called upon to start dancing as soon as I hit the foyer. I mean, the music was reverberating all the way to the parking lot. And I was going to be compelled to put my brain (laughs) in neutral or reach some state of spiritual nirvana. And since it was Florida, we got into the foyer, and I did understand as I looked around, there was a lot of people that were snowbirds, they call them down there, uh, that had white hair. And you know how hard it is for people my age to move at all, you know. And they were all trying to do the gospel dance, uh, the jig, to keep up with the music. Um, and, And really, I think there ought to be a post on the door, a little... A note of some kind. You can check your brain at the door of our church. Check your Bible at the door. This is going to be a feel-good church, um, a zippity doodah Baptist church. The Corinthian cults were a celebration of physical and the mystical. Alistair Begg, a preacher, some of you know who, who does uh, preach on the radio, tells a, tells about a service he went to and preached that a he visited as a pastor a guest speaker, and the church music director who led the service before he got up, got up in the morning and he just looked at everybody with a shout out and he asked the question, so how's everybody feeling today? And he thought it was his job to elevate the mood of everybody by zippity-doo-dah type of music. He wanted to induce in the church an elevation, put a spring in your step, And Alistair Begg said, after I got up, I simply said, it is not our calling to make you feel better. (laughs) It is our calling to preach the word of God, and sometimes that makes you feel lousy. It is our calling to make you think right. I thought about that church music director and his zippity-doo-dah There's nothing wrong to be enthusiastic, enjoy the service. I'm not saying that, but imagine that feeling-oriented, which came out of the Corinthian cultic worship. That feel good—that's the goal of it, to feel good. Imagine that spirit with Daniel right before he got pushed into the den of lions with the Hebrews before they were pushed into the fiery furnace. Or David, we've read Psalm 56 and 57 in the caves of Adullam or the believers in Ukraine right now who are hunkered down. Imagine some well-meaning Pentecost charismatic who says, listen, let's just sing ourselves into a feel-good frenzy. No. We don't need soap bubbles to slide into heaven on we need an anchor of the soul. Feelings come and feelings go, right? Feelings are deceiving. We trust the word of God. None else is worth believing. So God's gifts are for true believers, for the edification of the body. They are simply divine enablements for the service of God, given uh, for the expression of genuine belief in the edification of believers. They are spiritual because the Spirit of God is the one who gives gives us life and gives them life within us. I love what Warren Wiersbe says about spiritual gifts. They are not for personal enjoyment, but for corporate employment. That's a great phrase. He gives every believer a gift, number one, for employment within the church. And then he gives a a variety of gifts for the overall health of the body. Beginning in verse 4, he begins again to list or give a category of these gifts. Now, again, it's going to be helpful for you to understand the time context here. This is early, one one of his earliest books. The Bible, the New Testament, had not been written yet. And so there were in existence some of these sign gifts. But let's read these lists, read this list, other places they're listed as well. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, gr- almost 20 different expressions of the gifts of the Spirit. But here we see early on before the Bible is completed, this list. He says there's, but let's, let's back up here at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, there's difference of administrations, diversities of operations, but the manifestation is given to every man to profit the church. We begin to see the classification of some of these gifts. And again, they're, they're listed for us in Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. And really, when the Bible uses, we're looking at some King James words here, but they're, they're helpful for us to see. verse four. Now there are diversities of gifts. Uh, the word diversities, the a's is the Greek. It simply means there are different forms, various distributions, different allotments. And it's good to pinpoint, remember, they're not your natural. These gifts are not your, they're from the spirit and they are not your natural gifts or natural skills, abilities, or talents. Um, a spiritual gift comes from the spirit and it's designed to be employed within the context of the church itself. Uh, You may be, uh, in fact, an atheist can be a great violinist. An atheist can be a great artist. All of us have natural abilities. You do. I have probably fewer than you, but all of us have, in some regard, we're born with some innate abilities. It was neat at the fine arts competition that our school held recently to see the gifts, or excuse me, the abilities that are beginning to be honed and Worked on by our school and our in our students. I mean, we were amazed by the art. I think Kyla Black had a beautiful uh, rendition of her brother that she did with a pen, I think, and just wonderful. Others had great ability with instruments that they played. In fact, uh, Griffin stood up. I, I mean, that guy. I didn't know he was this sharp. I've seen him back here sitting in church, so behaving so well. He stood up, and he was uh, in this long line of people that were in a spelling bee contest. And I didn't know. I can't spell. Can you? I can't. In fact, I was trying to track along as the words popped up, and I would have been out the third round. Easy. Maybe the second. But it went on and on, and finally it was just Griffin and another guy. And I'm always glad to see our people beat the folks from, should we say this, Killian Hills. Um, I'm always glad for that. Well, uh, here he was, and he won that thing. I mean, I was so proud of our kids and all the things that they did. But let me just say something. Your spiritual gift, your spiritual gift has nothing to do with your ability or skill. Piano, art, paintbrush. In fact, I uh, I told uh, a couple of these folks that I looked at the art pieces and I said, I've got a whole portfolio stuck under my bed at home. I was an art major for I loved art. I still love art. Um, But I realized that somewhere along the way, God spoke to my heart about a calling to be a pastor. And I actually resisted that because I told told the Lord, you have no idea. (laughs) Imagine telling the Lord that. You have no idea who I am. I cannot get up in front of people. You, you see, sometimes your spiritual gift is an area where you might think you're really weak, but what happens as you employ that in the and you exercise your gifts within the context of the church, people receive a blessing from the exercise and the employment of your gift. It's not just, well, I've got this or I've got that. No, people are actually blessed by it, and they're the ones usually who come up to you and say, hey, you know what? I think... You have the gift of service. You have the gift of administration. You have a speaking gift. I see it in you. And I'm blessed by it. Keep it up, young man. Keep it up, young lady. That's exactly what happened as I took those stumbling, stuttering steps up to the front of the uh, chapel at Pensacola. And I said, Lord, I just know you, 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 you can't be seriously calling me because I, I, I can't say hello to my shadow. And so the designations here—they're very different forms, different dist- distributions or allotments—is uh, not necessarily a skill, but it is a divine enablement. We see them categorized really three ways: there are sign gifts. We've talked about some of those given, especially to validate the mouthpiece of the Lord in their first century. There are service gifts. Sign gifts tended to, to vanish away after the Bible was completed. Service gifts, we'll see more about those in the days ahead and speaking gifts. But there are different administrations. Notice verse 5, different administrations. Really, that's from the word ministry. Uh, same word that the deacon comes from, or servant. So the Lord would have us to be careful about being overly diagnostic about this. There's many opportunities to exercise your gift in the context of the church in service. That's the idea. It will be a service-based gift. It will not be for something for you to kind of get up in front of everybody and say, look at me. No, it is a service orientation, a gift from the Lord to serve others. And we've got to be careful about being too diagnostic about this, too exact by definition how these gifts are used. You may may have the gift of evangelism, but you may be more like John and Helen Runyon, or you're great at that one-on-one. Or you may be an evangelist that's comfortable in front of crowds of thousands, but you're, you're expressing that same gospel message and you're committed to that. God's given you a gift for that. Or exhortation and teaching. You may be wonderful in a small setting, right? Pastor, I'd love to be a teacher to kids. I'm okay with third graders, but I'm not okay with adults. I I get nervous. I seize up. I clam up. But you have a gift of teaching. Use it. Find your niche. Get involved. Um, Or you might find your gift in exhortation by your pen, writing articles, or as we say today, blogging and encouraging the church by your pen. You could be a counselor who has a gift of teaching and you're great one-on-one in the counseling room. You're great at that as a mentor, but you would not feel comfortable in front of a crowd. Verse six, there's diversities of operations. That's an interesting term. Really, the idea comes from the Greek, again, is helpful here. A variety of energema, energy. In other words, God is saying, uh, just as an electrician, the body has got all kinds of circulatory systems and other systems that make it function. Uh, an electrician, the divine electrician wires the components in the church with all the necessary parts. And then he switches uh, switches the, the main breaker, so to speak. And the whole house, the whole body is energized, not by some um, personal spirit of enthusiasm necessarily by somebody who tries to get us into a spirit of joy and excitement. But it is energized. a spiritual gift is energized always by the Lord himself. It's not something we try to do on our own. It's God who gives the gift and God who, verse number six, he gives it operation. He brings it to life in us. When I preached my first sermon in high school, do you know... The one most surprised that people didn't vanish was me. Had two or three people come up. That was a blessing. Now they're being nice, I'm sure. But you know what? I was surprised that God was using me. It was as much a surprise to me as it was to others, but I was confirmed in my spirit that it was God that put this joy in me. You know, it might frighten you to preach up under a spotlight but when I go home after I get the privilege of opening this God-breathed book and expressing the truth of it to you I go home with this Lord that was a joyful thing to be a conduit using a gift that I didn't even think I had for your glory and so the point of it is It isn't the gift receiver that gets the glory. It is the one who energizes the whole body and gives the gift. He is the equipper. So we see that there's different ministries, the same spirit, verse 4, different administrations or ministries, again, um, expression same Lord, different operations, the energy comes from God himself, which worketh all in all the whole Godhead is supplying everything necessary for life. We see the Trinity mentioned in those three or four verses. Corinth again is, is operating right now before the closure of the spiritual can- or the scriptural canon. So the sign gifts are still in use, and so a spiritual gift again, by way of reminders, is divine enablement given to every believer in the body. It is uh, given for the purpose of building the body. Every believer gets one. And of course, it's made effective by the Holy Spirit himself. They're categorized three ways, sign gifts. We'll get into this more in the days ahead, service gifts, and speaking gifts. And so it's important to understand that God is the one behind all this. We're living in a day in which, as we kind of wrap things up, we're living in a day in which uh, it is true that there is misunderstanding about this subject. And I hope that as you follow along and more uh, teaching is presented on what legitimate spiritual gifts are for the church today, we would not only A, know what our gift is, but B, we would be excited to use it. Because one day at the Bama seat, God is going to look you square in the eye and say, here's what I gave you. Don't say, oh, that's what, here's what I gave you. What have you done with it? And I trust at that moment, you can say, Lord, I I was well aware that You gave me that gift. It may have been a a one-talent, three-talent, five-talent gift. I don't know. And there may be more than one that you may possess by the grace of God. But I hope at that day you can say, Lord, you gave me that gift, and and I honed it, and I used it for the glory of God, and I expressed it as a true believer for the good of the church all the days of my life. And he will say to you, you've done well. Well done. Perhaps you're here this morning and you, A, are unaware, not that you're a believer, but of your spiritual gift. And secondly, you're somewhat uh, been convicted this morning that, hey, I don't know that I'm doing much with it. May God help us all. Here's the truth. I need you. God needs you. We all need each other to be growing together. God gives the gift for the body so that we might be supplied as a local church, uh, encouraging one another, exhorting one another ever so much the more as the day approaches. God has left us behind in no spirit. In fact, he told the Corinthians that, I've not left them behind in any spiritual gift. It's amazing to me. And yet they were fighting over who had the best gift instead of using it for God's glory. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Father, thank you for this training is teaching. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.